If you're new here, welcome to the In Between Podcast. If you've been here with us before, welcome back to the In Between Podcast. I'm your host, Oluwafemi, and I am so happy to be back with you guys making this podcast episodes again and just talking with different people. I've been working, as you can see, we have a new setup, so we're going to be having in-person podcasts. We're going to be having video podcasts. We're going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. On this particular episode, I'm speaking with my man, Jeff Lubin. We're speaking about real estate. We're speaking about wholesale. We're speaking about NFTs, crypto, the whole nine yard. And I really love this episode. I really love this episode. You guys are going to learn about the utility behind different cryptos before you invest so that you don't invest in like meme coins and think you're going to get a good return. My man broke down the wholesaling game, how he got started. A lot of gems are going to be uncovered in this particular podcast. And I'm just like, so happy that we're back. Everything is raw and uncut. I'm still ramping up everything, getting systems, getting processes together, just to make sure that this episodes come out every Friday by six. So without me going into too much detail, you guys enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The In-Between. I'm your host, Febi, and with me, I have my man, Jeff, over here. Jeff is active in the real estate space, does a lot of stuff that started to blow my mind. So I just decided to drag him on my podcast so that I can learn from you guys mostly. I can learn from him, and then you guys can also learn from the podcast too. So I'm not trying to be stingy with knowledge. I'm trying to share it out to you guys. So uh, I'll let my guy, Jeff, introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, let the people know you. So my name is Jeff Lubin. I am in the real estate industry. I've been a wholesaler for about a year and a half now. Before I got into real estate, I was a football player. So I went to the University of Akron. I played football there. When I really learned, I started learning about real estate. I want to say my junior year of college, I wanted to be a real estate agent when I first started out, but I was watching the show million dollar listings on HGTV and I seen these big commission fees, which is why <laughs> I wanted to really you know, dive into that. But being in Ohio at the time, I was just looking around, doing some research and looking at some properties in the area. And these homes are going for 40,000, 50,000. And that's not really the same as like a 1.2 million dollar right. house. It really wasn't, it really wasn't the way for me. And then I just was on YouTube, just doing some research and I found uh Max Maxwell and I watched his wholesaling videos and I was like, man, this. This is crazy, man. This is crazy. So then COVID happened and then we were home for a really long time. So I was just like, man, let me just try this wholesaling thing. So I started in March of 2012. I got my first deal within two weeks. Wow. I got my first deal in two weeks and I got a check of 39.50. Wow. And ever since I got that check, man, I knew, <laughs> I knew that it was real. Yeah. I knew that it was real. So that that's what really opened my eyes to real estate. And, and just basically the wholesale industry in general. Now I'm more so focused on doing more flips and being a note investor. I think that's one of my biggest things is utilizing creative financing. Right. And I'm really attracted to being the bank on some of these homes. Mm. It's being a landlord is good. Don't get me wrong, but I love the whole concept of just having cash flow without having to worry about tenants or anything like that. So that's pretty much my strategy now. Oh man, that's just crazy because I'll start that first because I was actually getting out of wholesaling during the pandemic. And it's crazy to hear that somebody was actually just getting into wholesale in yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> and for me that time, I don't know what was going on, but I couldn't find any lead. And I now back, I'm just thinking about it as 
that was a way for me to push myself to try something else. Cause I'm thinking if I was wholesaling, I probably would have never started flipping by now. I'll still mm-hmm. be more focused on that because it's good money. And for you, you hopped in, took action. And within two weeks, you got a check for 39. That's crazy. So there's a lot of mixed audience. Uh, for my mm-hmm. podcast, a lot of people don't really know much about real estate. I think we should first break down what really wholesaling is about. And even before we even do that, I want to hear a little bit of the experience before getting into real estate. You said you were, you played football for a little bit. What, 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 what made you like change out of football? Cause coming here, I know a lot of people that get into football are usually like diehard fans and like usually want to do that for a long time. So what stopped you? Then what is wholesaling? And then we go back. Really, I, I, so I started playing football around in like middle school uh-huh. and I really started taking it seriously in high school. And I just honestly, I didn't do it because I loved it so much. I did it because I had a lot of doubters. So I, nobody really believed that I can play football or I can get a scholarship in football. So I really did it just to prove a point. Mm. That's really the only reason why I started playing football. And then it kind of got a little too, it was wearing down my body to where it was like, I don't really love it. So why am I even doing it? When the pandemic hit, I seen it as an opportunity to really find a way to really get out of football because I didn't really enjoy it. In high school, in high school, I I enjoyed it a little bit. Don't get me wrong, but that wasn't really the reason why I got into it because of my love for it. It was just really the Cooper point. Mm, So that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It is a lot of things that I I also think about that I did. So I'm guessing you went into college and started playing it before you stopped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I got, when I coming out of high school, I had a couple of scholarships. I ended up choosing the University of Akron because my old coach was, his coach was going to be my coach in college. Mm, okay. So I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Um, so did you finish through college though? Or when you quit football? Oh, yeah. you, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. And the reason why I finished is because it was a free education. I wouldn't say that college is good or bad. I would say it's an experience. It's definitely not needed for everybody to go to college. But it's definitely an experience I can definitely say college is, is good for. Man, that's great. That's great. Okay, so boom. Went into Akron, did football for a little bit, I'm guessing. How how long do you say out of college you did football? Um about two to three years. About two to three years, man. That's crazy. And then suddenly found out about wholesaling. Or no, it hit you that you were just doing it for other people and you weren't necessarily yeah. interested in football. And that's one of the things that we speak about on this podcast, which is like self-identity. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of young people, especially right now, struggle with their self-identity. They don't really know like what they want or like who they exactly are. We just are people based off of a, probably your parents' ideas of who you are or your friends or your surrounding. And it's like, until you really truly believe and know who you exactly are, you won't really necessarily step into your purpose. And Everything can be going well for you, but you know, there's still that unhappy feeling because you you wouldn't be doing it if not for your family or something yeah. like that. Or and for a lot of people, it takes a while um to get out of that thinking and be like, you know what, I'm done doing things for other people. I'm I'm about to do things for myself. So that's great. Yeah. And then so boom, wholesaling came across your desk. Or real estate, you said you wanted to be a real estate agent at first and you realized mm-hmm. really fast that that was a bad idea in Cleveland. <laughs> It was an awful idea. It was an awful idea and nothing against real estate agents, but they're great people. Yeah. But let's say if I were a real estate agent, I wouldn't know what I know now. Just basically all the different creative options that I know now, right. as far as exit strategies, I wouldn't know that if I was a real estate agent because the real estate agents, they take the test, they read the book and that's the way that they do business. Right. 
So they're not really problem solvers in a sense. I focus my business on being a problem solver. So I'm really focused more on the seller and their needs. And I know that whatever problem that they have, I have a solution for it. That's great, man. Not many wholesalers I've realized now really describe themselves as problem solvers. I think a lot of people get into the game and the money hits their head too fast. They just see it as an opportunity to make quick money that they forget that the main mm-hmm. reason you're getting paid is to solve problems. If you're not solving problems and the larger the amount of problems you are solving usually equals the amount of money you probably can make off of that deal. It's not always the same. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's an easy slam dunk and the seller just wants what they want. But usually if you're solving problems, the more you can. And again, when you think about the relationships and the networks you build off of solving those problems, it's, it's really crazy. I'll let you describe to the audience what really wholesaling is and what your strategy around wholesaling is. So wholesaling is basically being the middleman. So it's basically connecting a motivated seller and the end buyer. So let's say, for example, if I come across a seller who has like a distressed property, you know, property is beat up pretty bad and they want to sell that property. I would then go ahead and put that property on a contract and find a buyer who's going to end up fixing it, flipping it, or just fixing it up to rent it out or whatever their, their strategy is. I will sell it to them and I will just add my fee on top of it. So let's say, for example, I got on a contract for $30,000. I will sell it to that end buyer for 40000 or 15000 So now I'm making $10,000 just for connecting the How crazy was it when he hit you and you got that first check of 39000 for just connecting the dots? It was insane. It was insane, man. I couldn't believe it. Like I really made that amount. Like what? <laughs> because I know a lot of people in this industry, it takes them a little bit longer. So me getting it. So I'm like, oh, this is, this might be a scam. <laughs> For me, my first deal, it was crazy because that's how I met, I met my partner right now. And pool became like my everything really was true real estate. I found that deal first of all, and it was a messy deal. I locked it up for way too high, man. But then we started doing other deals. And eventually, like I said, in the pandemic, we had to stop that because it wasn't coming. We had like our, one of our biggest months. I think that month we made a gross of 40,000 and then nothing came in the next month and the next month and the next month. And by that time I had quit. Everything I was doing, I wasn't working anymore. I had just dropped out of school freshly. Nothing else. There was no other backup option. It was real estate or die. So like, man, kudos to you. So where did you find your strong point? What did you say? Was it just true YouTube university watching Max Maxwell that like helped you out or? So in the beginning, yes, cause that's all I did. Okay. But as I got deals, I paid to skip the line. And what I mean by that is I paid for mentorship. Immediately. There's some people that want to go through everything themselves, but that, that to me is pretty much not the smartest idea. Just because if I can pay $8,000, $9,000, $10,000 to get somebody else's experience, I will do that all day long. Right. I think the problem most people have is they're too scared to invest in themselves. So they would just go through this pain of just going through different obstacles when there's somebody that went through that exact same thing that if you just pay for that information, you can get that same thing. And, and the learning curve was going to drop. That's crazy, man. What was it like don't pay for your first mentorship? Like wh- which one was it? So my first course, I don't want to name drop nobody, but my first course that I bought, it was a VA. That course was like literally like the worst thing I ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst thing I bought and it was a thousand dollars, but it was the worst course I ever got. But when I paid for it, I didn't really hesitate to pay because I knew once I get this information, it's, 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 it's oh, go time, right. right? So I paid for the course. It was not good, but that didn't discourage me from getting other courses. Okay. Wow. I think some problem people have is they get one bad course 
and say all courses like that. That's not yeah. true. Well, you bought just just bad. Yeah, that's, it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, so first deal two weeks after you started in March. When was your second deal? My second deal happened, I believe, three weeks after that. Wow. So I I got the two on a contract kind of back to back. Okay. But it didn't close, you know, in time to make it seem like I got my first two deals really quickly. Right. That second deal was actually harder because it was a son. It was a, a tenant, not a tenant, but like it was a situation where the mom had her son living in the property and she wanted to like, she wanted to get out of it because he wasn't paying rent. Mm, okay. So I think that was the first, you know, thing that kind of got in my head as to solving problems because not every property is going to be vacant. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody can just walk the property. It's not going to be like that. Sometimes you have to go to some obstacles to get that deal. So I think that's the first deal that really opened my eyes to being more focused on the relationships. Right. Because if you just have that communication with the sellers, man, you, you, there's not going to be no issue. How did you pitch it to the seller? Because you were relatively new then. Like, how did you pitch it to the seller? Like, hey, I'm buying your property, but I'm technically not buying your property. And we need showings and all of that. Like, how was that? So I told them that, I'm going to give them one of three options. So I'm either going to buy it to fix it up, buy it to rent it, or give it to somebody in my network so they can do it. Okay. So when you go across it like that, like in college, we get like stipend checks whenever you are on scholarship or whatever. You get like stipend checks every yeah. month, but it's not enough to buy a property. It's like $1,100. <laughs> I know I didn't have no money, so I know I couldn't buy it, but I know I had some relationships to where I can go find a buyer for it. And in the event that I locked it up too high or something like that, it's just a conversation you got to have. I think the the most important thing people need to start focusing on is relationships and solving problems. Those, those are the most two important right. things. I agree with you, man. The whole business world, I feel, is just about solving problems. If you find a problem in your environment, within your friends, within your family, and you have the solution for it, you make money and the, the higher the money you start getting is when you become like the niche person or the only person with that solution, the higher you can request for your services. So for you, I'm sure the lady has probably been looking around for who can solve this problem for her, but had no way of going about it. And you stepped in, you showed up, you were confident with it. Even if you were new and you knew you can buy yeah. that property, you just went to her and like, Hey, I'll either buy it or I'll pass it to someone within my network to buy it. Yeah, that exactly. And you said something powerful too, man. Just having that confidence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you got to fake it till you make yep. it. Like <laughs> when I was first cold calling, man, I was so scared. Right. When I did my first couple cold calls, I was scared, man. I don't even know what to say. Like, what am I doing right now? So I got cursed out a couple of times, but then once you get cursed out about two, three times, okay, they cursed me out. I still got my birthday. Right. Call somebody else. Man. When you start looking at why people haven't gotten their first deal, start asking the question of how many people have you called this week? Mm. Because this whole business is a numbers game. Yeah. So the more people that you call, the better your odds. But if you call five people and you're wondering why you haven't gotten the first deal, or if you made three offers this whole month, you wonder why you haven't gotten a deal. That's why. That's that. Your numbers. That is it. It's a whole numbers game. And even now that I'm flipping, like I'm even realizing I'm in my first studio. You guys brought the first one to me. The second one I just happened to find on freaking Facebook marketplace and the seller was motivated enough. But after those two, now I'm looking for like my next lineup of deals and God knows how many properties I've had to analyze. And sometimes I'm just like, yo, do I really want to go back into wholesaling? Because man, you're basically turning down on average. I'm turning down about 10 to 15 properties just to buy one more, like just locked up mm -hmm. today. And it's man, I've analyzed over 10 properties, gone for several showings just for me to be like, okay, this one makes some type of sense.
and I'll go forward on it. And again, it comes back to relationships with you guys. I know if you guys send me a property, it's just a matter of if I have the capacity to buy it or not, because it's usually a good deal or it's very close to a number that I have yeah. to be at. For you, just starting out back then, how did you go about like finding buyers for it, for your deals? So finding buyers, I would just look up the like kind of recent sales in the area mm -hmm. and I would give them a call. I would also utilize, uh, you know, Facebook groups. Yeah. I think Facebook groups is probably the biggest factor in my in beginning stages. Uh -huh. Just posting the property in, the, in these Facebook groups, I utilize. And then once you start getting a little bit bigger, you start utilizing blasting services right. like MailChimp, whatever email services and text blasting services that you use. But in the beginning, Facebook groups and just making phone calls, man. Like the way you cold call sellers, same you way. cold call buyers too. <laughs> same way. You always be marketing, <laughs> man. Always be marketing. Yeah. Every day of your life, you just yeah. got to be marketing, building that buyer's list. And that's what I'm noticing now, trying to raise private money. And hey, by the way, guys, if you have money that's sitting out in your account, you don't know what it, what to do with it. I have people like this around me that pass me deals that I'm buying pennies on the dollar. And I am going to be able to leverage that money. How much is the bank going to give you at most? 0 0.01 for the whole year. I'm able to give yep. my investors up to 10% annually some even 12% depending on how large the deal is. And I just believe in everybody eats. My guy here gets his, his check as soon as he wholesales the deal to me. The title company makes money. You as the lender, you make money. Why give the bank your money? Why let the bank make? This is exactly what the banks do when you're paying your mortgage. So you can become the bank for deals for Jeff too is also about to start flipping. So trust me, there's there are places to put your money. It's just about what you know. So, man, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. I'm just so happy for your growth. So, wait, first of all, in Facebook group, and this is for other wholesalers out there, how were you able to differentiate between other people that are, like, trying to wholesale your deals or start forming daisy chains versus people that are actual buyers? In the beginning, I wasn't. <laughs> I would just, anybody who messaged me, like, yo, here it is. What you got to do? But then you start learning about just having that conversation with them. And I think with some of these buyers, you can really just have a conversation with them, just really find out if they're a wholesaler or not. You can also actually like proof of funds. So there's a lot of different things that you can do to figure out if a buyer is a real buyer or kind of daisy chaining right. it. I think all real, not real, all like top buyers have their criteria. Mm. So there's people that say, send me anything. And that's a red flag when you're looking for top buyers, yes. just because when people are flipping or doing rental properties at a high scale, they have a criteria, they have a buy box. So the ones who don't have that is going to be a red flag. Don't get me wrong. There are buyers who just say, send me anything. Right. But the ones who are the top buyers have a criteria. Like, okay, I'm buying two bedroom or three bedroom, one bath, three bedroom, two bath. It got to be over 12 square feet. Like they know what they exactly want. what they Definitely. And man, I, that I'm so happy you mentioned that because I actually, I knew that as a wholesaler, but like, I didn't even realize how important it is until I started buying now. And I was, before I was analyzing everything and I was trying to think of ways to make every deal work until I had a discussion mm -hmm. with one of my friends out in PA and he just discussed to me because usually with me, when you mention risk, I have a high risk tolerance. So when you mention yeah, risk, me I'm like, if for more reason why I should do it. And he was like, yeah. no, but think about it this way. It is the opportunity cost. If you're looking at everything, think about it, the energy you're spending in something else that, that won't work you're losing away from multiple deals that could probably work. And at that moment, I had to just sit down and identify my buying box because I was like, if people are going to take me serious in this market, I have to know what I want. And I have to be mm -hmm. able to quickly tell people and not let people in my inbox, hey, are you still interested? Are you still interested? 
I want to be able to, as soon as you send it to me, I just know, hey, it's not going to work for me or, hey, it will work for me. Let me do some more digging. So exactly. I started defining it. I, I started seeing what works and what can probably get a higher ARV. They don't know ARV is like your after repair value. That's after you buy the property distressed, once you put some money to fix it up, what's the property going to be worth? And I noticed I can't deal with two bed, one baths. I can't deal with properties that are under 900 square feet. Most of this are for like probably to be yeah. under 100,000 most of the time, except you find one in a very good area. And I don't want to be dependent on that. So I started breaking yeah. it out, but as good as you define knowing what you want. And I'll just say that that just comes with life in general. When you start being very specific with your goals and with your decision-making process, life becomes very effortless for you. Like you, if you start knowing like, you know what, today, this week, I want to do this, that, and the third. You already know that anything else outside of those three things, you are not going to achieve your goal for the week. It's, it's as simple yeah. as that. It becomes black and white decisions like, hey, is this action I'm about to do right now going to put me in line for this goal that I want to have at the end of the week? If it's not, mm -hmm. just don't do it. Just don't do it. Truth. That, that, the truth, is So, I mean, now I see you a lot. You post about crypto. You post about NFTs. And I used to watch Gary V. That guy to me is just a legend because he was even the one speaking about TikTok. And way before TikTok was what TikTok is. And blew up and everything i was like man i have to just listen to this guy like literally like this is peep somebody on youtube that's just giving game and just sharing knowledge of what he sees and his experience in in life and he started mm -hmm. mentioning nfts and i started doing a little bit of digging here and there i never really got hip to it but i see you post about it a lot and it seems like you have just an insane knowledge about this thing so what got yeah. you interested into NFTs? You're even also dropping a a, a a course very soon. So I'm dropping a deep course, yep. Man, so just blow my mind. I want you to give us a big nutshell summary of the whole space, and then I'll start asking questions. Okay. With me, I really like DeFi, which stands for decentralized finance. I like it a lot because it cuts out the middleman. And when I say the middleman, I bank. Oh. So with traditional banks, uh, when you want to get a loan, you have to go through this approval process. Yep. And that approval process is basically dictated by a person. It's not really like a, a system that they use where it's, okay, if you have this credit score, if you have, you know, this amount of money as far as income, then you get approved. It's like, it's currently, okay, if you got this credit score, if your skin color, if you got this, that, and that, mm -hmm. then you, you get approved. That, I don't like that. I don't like asking permission for anything. I think I'm a little bit of a rebel, but same, that's okay. Same year, I understand, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, but uh, that's why I really came up, became attracted to DeFi and decentralized finance because everything is permissionless. Mm. So I would consider myself a decentralized maxi, which basically means I'm I, and anything I do, I want it to be decentralized. Mm. So DeFi is basically something that gives you the opportunity to use these protocols and start using your money as collateral. So now I can borrow against my own crypto. So let's say, for example, if I had a certain amount of Ethereum or a certain amount of Bitcoin, I can then leverage my assets to go through other things. Mm -hmm. So the same way you can do it for like whole life insurance policies, right. the same way you can do it for, for private lenders, I can be my own private lender. So let's say, for example, if I wanted to, let's say, for example, if I wanted to just hold my, my money in a stable coin, which is basically something that is paid to the US dollar. So let's say USDC, for example, if I wanted to just use that as like a, a bank account, yeah. I can get better interest than I can from the bank because with the bank, they're going to take my money. They're going to lend it to somebody else. Right. With DeFi, 
I'm going to deposit my money and I can lend it to myself or I can lend it out to others and make that interest. So now I'm making what the bank makes and I'm making way better APR rates than the bank can ever offer because the bank's giving out what, like we said earlier, 0.01. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> They're giving out 0.01. That's it's just like insane. So when you start understanding what DeFi actually means, and DeFi is not really something that's really like mainstream right now. Right. I think NFTs are the ones that's really uh, mainstream. But if you look at the data, NFTs being so mainstream and being everywhere, NFTs only made up 1.3% of the crypto market cap in general. That's 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 crazy. And, and you've seen how much buzz it had. Right. You've seen how much people were talking about. It only made a 1.3%. Wow. That's crazy, right? That, that is crazy. To me, I, I just think if I was to arrange it in order, it would be like crypto, the whole crypto space, NFTs, probably the meta space, the metaverse and everything. Before metaverse. I would think about decentralized finance and like yeah. what that is about. I never really got into it. I don't even know anything about it. That's crazy. Because I, I always just saw everything as like one and the same. I know crypto, we got cryptocurrencies and tokens and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then in the NFT space, we have tokenized like digital art, digital music, digital everything that you can basically transform from the real world into the meta world, I guess. You see, I'm, I'm sorry to even confuse myself. So how would you differentiate each of those different spaces and like what they're about? So there's a couple different. There is... And there's, there's, it's coming out. There's new things pretty much every day. Like in the crypto space, there's like new things always coming out because it's a new industry. Okay. So there's like things like GameFi, there's DeFi, there's the metaverse, there's NFTs. So there's just a lot of different lucrative opportunities. What happened when the internet first came out? And that's why I think a lot of people are like scared of it because mm -hmm. they don't understand it right away. Mm -hmm. And that's not how you get ahead of the game. So you got to take some time to really understand it. And that's what I did. So when you start talking about NFTs, People look at NFTs as like uh, just a little JPEG that you just copy right. and paste it. And then it's yours. It's my NFT now because I copy and pasted it. Right. That's not that's not what it is. There's a lot of NFTs out here that people don't even know about that produce coins. So I got a couple of NFTs right now that produce actual money. So their whole utility for the NFT is to produce certain tokens. Mm. So people don't even know about that. So I, I get it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So there's like blue chip NFTs, the Board Ape Yacht Club okay. or the Crypto Club, yeah, stuff like that. There's there's NFTs that actually have utility. I think there's one that Gary V came out with that if you bought it, you get access to his restaurant yeah. in New York. I, I know about, I think I know about V Friends or something like that. No, not V Friends. It's something else. Oh, Let me wow. actually pull the name up. I didn't even know he had developed something else. And that's the thing about this crypto space. I will say, though, a lot of people, especially myself sometimes too, I, I look at it as this is like the dot-com bubble and I feel like a lot of things are coming out all at once. And a lot of people, th this is the thing though. This is where I'm different from people. I know the space is here to stay. A lot of people think, oh yeah, yeah. it's the dot-com bubble up. We're going to waste your money. No, billionaires, if not trillionaires are going to be made from this space for the next generation. It's just that mm -hmm. you have to find, you have to do your own research and find out which ones are the apples of this community? Which ones are the Microsoft? Which ones are the ones that are going to last through this whole bubble stage and actually remain? There is a lot of useless NFTs. Trust me. There's a lot of you a lot of processes. There's a lot of useless things that you can make your quick money on, but you're only trading right now. They have no utility behind them. And I'm glad you mentioned the utility behind some of these tokens, the ones that can create tokens for you that can actually be 
actual money that you can spend in the real world. And that there are some that get you, like the one that you mentioned about Gary V, and I'm sure a lot of other celebrities are starting to create that give you access to probably their music, their events, and yep. things like that. Those are things that could probably stay longer. If you're the one in your bedroom, you just took a picture of something and threw it on and sold it on the crypto market and you feel oh, now you're running an empire that's going to, you're, you're probably not going to last past the next one. The key for these NFTs is the ones that actually have utility. That's going to be the, the kind of going to separate the real from the, yeah. if they don't give you access to anything, then it's really not no point for you to buy it. Right. The one I was mentioning earlier is called Fly Fish. So if you have this NFT, you get access to his restaurant and they're going to be coming out with more restaurants. I forgot what he said. He said, I think he said they wanted to release one in Miami, New York, London. So a lot of like big name cities, they want to release it. So I think once you start focusing on utility and buying NFTs that actually have that utility behind it, then you're going to last when this bubble burst. Because it's going to burst. Don't get me wrong. It's going to burst. It is. You don't, you don't want to be part of that bubble. You don't want to. You don't want to. You want to be part of that bubble. You want to find somewhere that at least, like, it's it's very volatile. It's a very volatile industry. You, one day you could buy it for $200 and the next day for $20,000. That is fine. But mm -hmm. you also don't want to be there when you buy it for $20,000 and now the next day it's worth $20. You don't want to be. And, yep. That's, that's a lot of people that. right now, man. There's a lot of people. They they start getting hip. Oh my God, this crypto punk sold for this. Let me start my own project. You put it out there and it, it turns to nothing. You just want to, you want to do your research like my man here is explaining to us. So for somebody like me and the other people that are not even interested in the in investing world, but don't want the fear of missing out. They don't want to miss out on if this becomes something yeah. solid. What would you say is a very good strategy to get involved in the whole crypto metaverse DeFi nft space what would you so, i would recommend honestly one i would recommend actually reading the bitcoin white papers because that's the first white paper that ever came out i would actually read it and then i would start listening to podcasts and youtube videos that kind of explain it in depth there's a lot of good youtube videos out there that can kind of go from the level for us so there's one called Whiteboard Crypto, I believe, that is really good. Okay. So Whiteboard Crypto is really good. There is the Coin Bureau. He's really good as well. They make it real nice and simple. Okay. It's really animated, so you can follow along with what they're doing, and they explain it in such a way that is that a five-year-old can understand mm. it. And if you don't understand it the first time, don't get discouraged. Just watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. It's really as simple as that, guys. If you don't get something the first time, if you're being introduced to something new, chances are you're not going to get it the first time or probably even the second time or mm -hmm. the third time. But as the, the, what, what's, what separates winners and people that last long in industries that are new is those that keep dusting themselves up and going back there. So you know what? I really want to understand what this is about. And you have to develop some type exactly. of interest. You can't just begin it for the money. You have to be, you have to be interested in the project. Like you said, read the white papers, read what's the utility behind this thing. Is this something that I'm actually interested in? And I think like it's beneficial to me long-term, or is this something that I'm just hopping into for like right now? Let me see if I can make a quick buck. You won't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're not. If you think that you're gonna buy sheep at one 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 price and then they it's gonna go all the way up, like people stop buying things that they haven't read the white papers to. Mm -hmm. Like some of these coins have no, they're not unique at all. They solve no problems. 
they're just like meme coins that people invest in. And when they invest in these coins, it, it, it's okay if you're a trader. Mm. But the problem most people have is they see everybody talking about it and they see it at the all-time high and they buy it at the all-time yeah. high and then it drops. <laughs> and they're like, why did it drop? It's a puppet. It's though. a puppet. People who make and already made their money. They already cashed out and they're they're done. It's onto the next project. And it's that's some people's life though. I follow some people on Instagram or on like on TikTok. I won't say follow them, but they come up on my post price. That's how they make money. They follow through all of this profit dumps. They get in those group early and they actually buy it at the beginning too and cash out when it's time to cash out. If you yeah. like to be about that and you want to go through it that way, you can. You just have to do your digging, find out when these meme tokens are coming out. Buying early, you don't, you never, even in the real estate industry, that's all we're doing. We're buying low and we're selling high. That's the, so, and just go for it all in or for sure, don't go in at all. I would say, don't be a trader, be an investor. So actually research these tokens that you're investing in yep. and plan to hold it long-term. Yep. It's okay to take profits here and there, but if you're just buying meme coins, trying to get rich quick, I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> you are going you know what? I'm not even going to go. It's too early for that. Oh, that's when business is brought down to the basic of it all. It's buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. Even the person that's buying it high from you more than likely feels like he's buying it low compared to his own high. So you don't have to look mm -hmm. at anybody else, what anybody else is doing. Just research your token. If you feel like, you know what? I'm getting a low price. Do it. Sometimes you'll lose money. It's okay. You just have to understand why you're investing in that particular asset yeah. or that particular crypto. Don't do it. Don't, that's the whole basic point that we're trying to get you guys to understand. Just don't do it. It's not worth your time. For me right now, I, I see Ethereum in the crypto space just having the best overall platform to me and just having a lot of utility around it. There's a lot of stuff that I see being built on top of Ethereum. What would you say about Ethereum? That's like the only coin that I'm currently holding right now. And it's a small holding, but I plan on going heavy into it. So I want to hear your opinion about it. I love Ethereum. Ethereum was made from the beginning being decentralized. So when it first came out, their, their coin was a public sale. So anybody could, some of these coins that, can't say the same about some of these other coins. I don't want to, I don't want to mention all the coins cause you know, but you can't say the same about some of these other coins. Some of these other coins, they, when they first released the VC funds got first dips mm -hmm. and they bought it at a really low price. So now when the price starts skyrocketing, they, they, they want their money too. So they're going to take, they're going to take some money out yeah. and they bought way more coins than you because they bought it with a, a larger amount at a lower price. So the amount of the, the percentage that they hold as far as a total token is going to be a lot. So when they dump, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hefty dump. Hefty dump, man. Hefty dump. With Ethereum, with Ethereum, I, I, I see Ethereum as like the app store. Mm -hmm. So there's a like, if you look at the data, there's a lot of developers coming on the Ethereum network, yeah. developing new dApps, which is basically decentralized apps. Okay. So they're, they're, I want to go where the developers are. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at, you know, where the developers are going, Cause we, we still haven't really onboarded a lot of developers yet, yeah. but it's, it's growing continuously. So you start looking at the developers, they're going to be basically, I see them as like the, the new lawyers in a sense, because they're building out these smart contracts yeah. and it's basically in, in that space, code is law. So they're basically making the new rules. They're creating these contracts and it's not whether or not you're black or you're white or whatever. Yeah. It's it's cold. It's just cold, man. It's cold. It's just cold. It doesn't care about your computer. It doesn't care about your skin color. It doesn't care about how much you're worth 
or how much you're not worth. It's just whatever is coded into that contract becomes law. Man, how can you mm -hmm. tie it all in together with what's your plan with the, you got the real estate on one hand and you've got your crypto on one hand and like decentralized finance, everything that you got going on. I know you and your partner are also dropping a course about VA mastery and like for people to train their VA, the virtual assistants for real estate wholesaling. You guys got a lot on your plate. Like mm -hmm. what? I, I want to get up behind, behind your head. What's the master plan behind everything in your head? What's the decade timeline? What does that look like for you? So honestly, the way I plan on integrating the two or just seeing what I can do, I want to build like a crypto gaming center. Like I said earlier, uh, GameFi is something that's really going to be, in my opinion, one of the biggest things out. Definitely. Because if people can play a game and earn real money, it's crazy. It's going to be game changers. So with me, I'm all, I'm investing in NFTs that have to do with GameFi. So NFTs that are play to earn mm -hmm. is something that I really like. Because now as an investor, I can buy these NFTs and then either delegate to somebody else who can actually play the game, mm. and I make a percentage of what they make. Mm. So I have an NFT right now. It's a metaverse casino and it's poker. I can delegate a wearable to somebody else, whether that's in the Philippines, whether that's in Argentina, wherever they are, mm -hmm. I can delegate to them and they play poker and I make 30% of what they make. So now you talk about passive. I'm not doing anything. I don't even know how to play poker. <laughs> really? That's all I'm about to ask Dale. Like, I don't even know how to play poker, but I would love to. You mentioned some words there that just flew directly over my head. So you mentioned the, the decentralized games and everything. I did see a little bit about that. I saw about a couple of games that allow you to play and they have your own tokens which can be exchanged for actual real money. So like, how does that whole space work? If people that are interested or know how to play poker for themselves or some of these games, like where do you, what sites do you have to go to? What do you have to do to play, to buy these NFTs? Because I never thought games are now NFTs too. I just thought maybe that there is a platform that you just visit and you pay to play or something like that. So like, how does that? So with the one I mentioned earlier, it's called Decentral Games. So basically you buy an NFT and that NFT gives you access to the, to the metaverse casino. So when you go, when you jump inside Decentraland, which is a metaverse, you get to then play poker if you are wearing that wearable. So if you're not wearing it, if you're not wearing the NFT, you can't play. Mm, okay. Wow. So the NFT is basically your buy-in. Mm. So you're buying that NFT. You can delegate that NFT to somebody else and they can then wear it. So then go play. How do you do that though? Do you send the NFT over to them? What if they don't return it or something like what? How do you delegate? So everything is done through their website. So their website, they have a tab where it says, I wish I could share my screen, but there's a tab where you, it says like delegate. Mm. So when you delegate it, you're not giving them your NFT. You just let them rent it. Mm. So let's say if you wanted to get it back, you click undelegate and you get it it's back. yours again. Mm, okay. So if the person you get playing Terry, it's all cold. The person doesn't know how to play and they're playing shitty with your, you could just undelegate that person and go find somebody else that knows how to play and just rent it out to them. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Okay. And the thing is, there's a lot of people that can't afford the NFT. So that makes it lucrative as an investor. Right. Right. Now that people are making more money than they would playing a real getting a real job mm -hmm. in some of these other countries, they're making more money in two, three hours playing a game. than they would <laughs> playing a game than they would working eight hours, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a no eight, nine hours a day. I mean, it's a no brainer to them. You're doing what you love no and you're doing what you love and you're earning way more than you will your average day job. 
you know, that. But let's talk a little bit. I know we're very close on the timeline, but like where there's a lot of conspiracies about this whole thing. It turning into something like Ready Player One, where everybody is just with their VR headsets and stuck in the metaverse and playing games to win, to make money. But what do you think about you, that? I'm glad you said that. Because that's a lot of people right now that are buying the Oculus thinking that's your like key to the metaverse. And that is 1,000 million percent wrong. When you buy the Oculus, you're basically just buying, it's basically just virtual reality or, or argue, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the Oculus, what do they ask you? They ask you for your, connect to your Facebook account, for your email and password. That is not the metaverse. You can't sell something in the Oculus anywhere. So when you want to buy something, you have to use their Oculus credits. That is not, so the metaverse is more about property rights than anything. Mm. So if I wanted to sell all of my Oculus credits right now for USDC or, or any other currency, I cannot. Mm. Okay. So the, the difference between that and something like Decentraland, let's say, for example, I got some land in Decentraland and I said, man, I want to jump into something else. I can literally sell it and just jump into something else. Mm. The, 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 that's, that's pretty much the difference. And the Oculus, you're basically in Oculus land, right? Mm. You're, you're, you're no, because Oculus was, Oculus Ben came out. Oculus yeah, was out for a always, very long you know, time. They've been a long time platform. I just never They've been a long like time. why, how people, so actually people that use the Oculus stuff, they're in a different complete, that's a completely different thing. That's just VR that Oculus created for people with your yes. platform. So you can't necessarily use the Oculus to go into the central land and check around or no. anything. That's completely different. Completely different. They don't have that. They don't have that available yet. I don't, I don't think Oculus will. Why would they do it? All these companies, their biggest revenue stream is selling things inside their platform. Right. So why would they do? Why would they allow me to sell something <laughs> and leave that? Right. That's true, though. That's true. I never thought about it that way. That's the same thing like Fortnite. Let's say, for example, let's say Fortnite was decentralized, right? Or let's say Fortnite was the metaverse. If I were to buy a skin and I say, man, I don't want to play um, Fortnite anymore. I want to go to Call of Duty. I can't take my skin over to Call of Duty. It's all in Fortnite land. <laughs> I see. It's all in Fortnite land. Do you land. think there would ever be a, like, a merge of all these worlds where it's just, like, the metaverse and it's, like, just one place and everybody just builds on that particular space to where you can wear all this regular tech, all these VR headsets, and just go to one place, but has, just like how we all have Earth, and it we're just going to have, do you think it's ever going to turn into that kind of situation, or you think, nah? Um, I don't think it will all merge into one. I think there will be a lot of interconnectivity as far as with different metaverses. So let's say, for example, if I'm now in Decentraland, I can then go to Sandbox or I can sell some things in Sandbox and go back to Decentraland. So I think all of the true metaverses are going to be able to connect with each other, but I don't think they're all going to be just one, one, basically. I don't think that will happen. I don't think that will happen. Okay. That, that's going to be so crazy to see how it, it evolves over the years. Like, I've yeah. been trying to imagine something where maybe people are like, oh, you're from Sandbox. You're not cool. We, you know, we're, we're the Decentraland <laughs> type of people. You know what I'm saying? I'm just wondering, like, how that whole thing will play out and what it will turn to. But... That would be very crazy too for me, but my company, I'm trying to, I've been trying to rack my head. Like, I know I want to create something of utility that's going to like be merged with my company. Cause I feel as every company, if you're not thinking of a way for you to go into mm -hmm. something decentralized or something in this space, and you're still thinking of it as 
oh, it's fake and everything. It's just like you, people, all the people that were shouting that Bitcoin was a scam like a couple years ago, but now. So <laughs> if you just think about that fact that a couple years ago, there was a lot of people, the whole government was saying Bitcoin is a scam. It's a fraud. People shouldn't invest in it. And now we have countries that are pivoted into using that as your main currency or one of your main currencies. We have treasuries being built on top of, there's a lot going on in this space. And if you're not trying to pivot your business in some type of way into that, I don't know, we're probably going to leave you behind, man. I plan on being very revolutionary when it comes to merging cryptocurrency and, and the real world. So what my course is going to be, is it's going to allow you to pay in cryptocurrency. That's where I'm going with this. And I, I just want to leave, I know people say that Bitcoin's at this price, we're too late. Guys, we are super early. Super. MetaMask is a wallet that is on the Ethereum network, but you can use it with other blockchains. Mm -hmm. I want to give you guys some stats. Wait. MetaMask monthly users is currently at 21 million, right? Mm -hmm. That's 0.07% of Facebook active users. That's crazy. 0.0%. That, that's so early, man. <laughs> so early. Not even 1% so of people on Facebook are using MetaMask right now. Not even 1%. And if you want to look at this data, I believe I got it from Mazari.io. Mm. If you want to look at some of this data, it's just, it's here, mm. right? If you look at it, everybody that's in crypto right now is a retail buyer. It's just guys like me and you, right? right. There is no institutions buying in this asset yet. We haven't seen institutions yet. We haven't seen what that looks like. So when institutions really start buying into this, it's going to skyrocket. Skyrocket. The current market cap right now for cryptocurrency as a whole is $2.14 trillion. Retail buyers. That's crazy, man. No institutions. So what institutions, man, we're looking at, that's why I said like this space, I feel like will be the one to bring out the first trillionaires, the first set of trillionaires and really pivot a lot of companies from like just billion dollar companies into trillion dollar companies. I really see that being like the norm. Now we have a few like Apple and I guess Amazon too, um, tap a trillion dollars in valuation, but I really see a bunch of new companies just come out and like really go there. Even the founder of Ethereum, I don't know how much that guy is old Ethereum, but God, I can imagine once. Oh, he doesn't even own a large percentage of Ethereum. That's crazy. That's how decentralized it is. That's crazy. There's some coins out there that. That the founder owns 51% mm -hmm. of the token. That makes no sense. <laughs> that makes no sense. That's, that's not decentralized. If at any point he wants to sell, we're all going to be left holding <laughs> the bags. Well, I'm messed up at that point, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. I never thought about it that way. Man, you've shared a lot of gems for, for people here on this podcast, man. To tie it all in, like, what would you have told yourself? I know this is like one of those cheesy questions we hear on every podcast, but like looking at yourself, like, what well, you started, you, you're like one year into the game of wholesaling, I'm guessing. One and a half, one and one a half, half year, around one yeah. and a half year, not even two years now. And a lot of people say a lot of new businesses fail in the first year or something like that. For you now, like your mindset now, and I see a stack of books behind you. For you right now, compared to like where you were like two years ago or anything, what would you say, what would you say changed? What was that in-between process like for you? You have yourself that time as a football player, University of Akron, trying to prove everybody wrong. And now you have yourself now, Jeff Lublin, you have a real estate company. You have coachings, you're heavily into crypto, the metaverse and everything, the centralized finance. Like, 
what what changed what pivoted for you honestly man it's gonna sound cheesy but it's just mindset that's really all it is it's all a mindset when you stop looking at certain things as a cost and more as an investment mm. your your market is gonna shift when you start thinking things in abundance your mindset is gonna shift if you're thinking as if you have a, like a scarcity mindset you're not gonna really get too many opportunities thrown your way because you think okay this is just gonna happen one time right no this is gonna happen a million times for me maybe for you it's gonna happen <laughs> like that no no, right. that's not it. That's not, that's not how I do things. Man. I like to do things in abundance, man. I like to be consistent. That's a big problem that I had when I first started out is not when I first started out, but in just doing things, you got to just be consistent. And it's going to be, it's going to be when you're changing and you're changing, it's going to be a different environment. It's going to be, it's going to touch into your, your comfort level and it's going to change. But you got to move past that. You got to drill that. That's crazy. So we have a bond. You guys change your mindset. Think in terms of abundance. And the last one you mentioned was consistency. Consistency. I want to say something about consistency really quickly. Go ahead. Right. So when you start doing something consistent, like working out every single day, and then one day you stop, how do you feel? Shitty, man. It feels different. It just feels different. It feels different. Right? So if you think about it, that's how your body felt all along, but you're just used to that feeling. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's how I felt all along, man. That's how I felt all along. You just used to it. That's insane. It, it is. You're you're either consistent in something good that's productive for yourself, or you're just consistent in something bad that is bad for yourself. And whichever one you get used to, guys, that's just gonna decide. That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> that's just what it's gonna be. That's that's a bar. That's a bar right there. It's the same thing, man. You just got to be, you just have to pick what side you're going to be consistent at. You're either going to be consistent exactly. at thinking in terms of scarcity. You're going to be either consistent at trying to prove everybody. You're going to either be consistent in thinking uh, about everything in scarcity, or you're just going to switch that mindset. It's all mindset change, man. On my first episode, that's what I was talking about, man. Once my mindset changed and I realized, yo, like, this is literally your world, bro. Like you can do whatever you decide you want to do. Whatever you want. Like whatever you decide you just want to do. Just go hard at it, consistently show up and just keep doing it. Don't you don't you don't necessarily need to ask anyone for permission. I'm not saying go break the law or go rob somebody like you get shot. But just do stuff without feeling the need. Yo, you have to check in with somebody. You have to do it because this person said you should and just figure out like yeah. what you want in life and just go hard at it. And that's literally what exactly. that's about. That's literally when you start reading books about like wealth creation and everything like that. They all say the same thing. Same thing. It's mindset. They all say the same thing. Man, it's not like a, a secret cheat code that you can, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mindset. My, everything mindset. boils down to mindset. I was reading this book about raising private capital and everything. And overall, mm -hmm. just start, it just if I started from, hey, just change your mindset, man. Like, you just need to understand, like, there is money all around you. And now all around that's you. how I just look at properties. Like, now I'm going with confidence because I'm just like, it's not a matter of, like, how much do I have in my bank account? It's who do I, I got raise? Who, who do I know that got money? Like, the whole world is literally, like, now my bank account. It's just as many people as I can exactly. talk to, as many people as I can explain this idea to. It's a lot of people that can believe in me and know what I'm doing. That's how much I have in my bank account. So I'm going to come to you. I'm going to tell you, yes, yeah, sell me your property. Right 
<laughs> you, if you know how to negotiate right, you probably don't even need to put down earnest money deposit. And if you have yeah. good enough relationships and you set up the right relationships, you probably don't even need to put out a dollar to buy my first two properties, man, I didn't come out of pocket one, like literally one dollar. No, I Look. was even I was so broke that at that point, I had to even borrow the earnest money for the second property. And I just told the person, mm -hmm. once he closes, I'm gonna give you back the earnest money deposit plus an extra five hundred. And yeah, it, it was just like at that point, I had like I had read enough books, I had read enough podcasts. I was just like, the only thing that's gonna stop me from buying properties is if I say I don't want to buy property. Like yeah. my Nothing else. And start thinking, start thinking who, not how, right? So who do I need to do or who do I need to find to, to, to buy this property? Mm -hmm. Not how am I going to buy this property? Yep. That, that's, it's, a, it's a mindset shift. It's a mindset shift, man. Mindset shift. That's crazy you mentioned that. Who, not how? Hey, guys, who stop asking how, yeah. how am I going to do this is who, who do I need? Even within my business now, like I started, I want to take social media seriously now. And I'm like, man, I got so much going on. I cannot, I would never be able to commit to this or consistently put out content if I was the one designing it and coming up with the content and shooting it and editing. And I'm just like, well, who do I need to find to do this stuff? And found a couple people back home. The exchange rate is in my favor greatly. So I'm paying them to me. What is whatever? I'll be able to pay this every month for them. It's that's a lot of money. So they're going to consistently do great work for me. And those mm -hmm. are who I found to handle my social media now. And now I don't have to think about it anymore. I just, they just tell me, hey, this is the video we need from you today. And I record it, I send it, and I don't think about content anymore for the rest of that day. Exactly. So exactly. That, that, that is crazy, man. I'll say for us now, I'll say just summarize everything up for us. Everything that you feel like the people out there should know. If you're not involved in real estate, what do you feel like they should know about real estate? If they're not involved in crypto, what do you feel like they should know about? And then just some mindset plays for people out there. They're trying to start their own businesses. They're still stuck in that previous mindset, feeling there's, they don't have enough of a certain thing or they don't know who to meet. Like just give a whole summary, like. What would be your action step for somebody trying to start a business right now and get to this point that you're in with all of your businesses? As far as real estate, I would say pick your niche. I think the problem with real estate is one of the problems I have with real estate is that there's so many ways to make money. And that's so a good problem ways. to have. <laughs> but it's, it's a good problem to have, but it can also hinder you from taking action because now you're thinking, okay, I can do this and I can do that. Oh, I can do that too. Oh, that too. So I would just say pick one. And stick to it and be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. If you're, you're going to do wholesaling, I would say pick a marketing method, one marketing method, and stick to that one. Mm -hmm. Don't do that one for two weeks and then be like, oh, it don't work. Do it for two months. Do it for three months. And then test it out and see. Just test the water that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if you're jumping in between marketing methods, then you're not going to see a lot of results because you're not consistent with none. Right. Because all marketing methods work. They all work. Right. If you work. Another thing I would say is make more offers. Talk to more people. The more offers you make, the more, the better chance you would have at getting a deal. I would rather go two for 30 than, I don't know, break that down to me. That went over my head a little bit. <laughs> so, so when I said two for 30, I, I, I made it as like a basketball term. So if I'm shooting, if I'm playing a basketball game and I'm shooting, I would rather go two for 30 than 0 for three. Mm. That makes sense, man. That's, that's it. Put out a lot of offers, man. Keep trying. Shoot your shot as many times as you possibly yeah. can. Just keep shooting your shot. Some will go in. Like I said, two is better. Better you get two out of 30 shots than you yeah. should. 
that to get zero out of only three shots. You at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you still lost. It doesn't matter about how many less shots you shot. So now moving into the crypto space, what would you say is your advice for people just stepping into that? I would say do your due diligence, do research, do not buy a coin because a celebrity posted about it. You do that. You might as well just give me your money. Right. You might as well just give to me. I'll better with it. Yeah, man. Split it. Right. <laughs> so don't. If you see an influencer start talking about a certain coin saying, hey, guys, this is going to 10x. This is going to 100x. That's a red flag. Just run. Just run. <laughs> if you start looking at different coins and different tokens and you're reading the white papers and they don't even have none, that's a red flag. Red flag. It's a red flag. There's so many red flags in the uh, crypto space that a lot of new people don't understand because they just want to get rich. When you start looking at these crypto influencers, they're going to tell you, I believe in this coin. I buy this coin. They don't, they, they probably never bought it. They never bought it, man. They got given by the founders of their tokens. So I think it too, whenever they're done pumping, they're all going to exit and guess who's going to be with the loss? You. (laughs) You. You are coming up to that bag to hold and then you're going to be crying talking about crypto doesn't work. No, you try to get rich quick, rich. and it didn't work out for you. Crypto's <laughs> working for me though. <laughs> I, I, I trust me. I see, man. I see, man. You're doing great things over there, man. I can't wait for you to drop that call. So, for the people listening to you, man, you've summarized some great points. You let them keep shooting your shot, guys. Pick a niche, shoot your shot. Be consistent at one particular marketing method. Um, or that's even just be consistent at something in your life. You just pick one thing. They are going to dedicate the next year or two before you even, I have this thing I heard, I forgot the person I heard it from, but it's a law of a hundred. And it simply states like, just do something a hundred times before you even check to see if you're progressing or if you're declining or whatever, before you even weigh yourself, do it a hundred times. If you're posting content once like a that. week, post it to a hundred, which is practically almost two years. There is nothing you're going to do for two years that you're not going to get good at you're not going to build some type of liking to. So just do it. I've said it a lot of times in my other episodes. Just do stuff. Just take that as law. That's that's my own nugget that I'm passing back to you guys. Just do stuff 100 times first. I like that a lot. Yeah, and if it doesn't work at 100 times, man, nobody's going to judge you. Just be like, you know what? I've tried. I've put in my reps. It just doesn't work out for me. Find something else. Nobody's going to stop you. Trust me. I got something that, that I've been following for a little bit. And then it's basically, so I got a calendar, a whiteboard and it's and it, on the whiteboard. It says start a chain and don't break it. So every single day I have something on this board that I need to get accomplished. It's going to be the same thing every day. So right now I got on my board, three videos a day. So I need to record, edit three videos a day. So I'm starting a chain now. And every day I put a check mark on the board. I do not want to break that chain. Why do I want to break it? I, I can see it. It's right there right in front there of my on face. The board. So it's right there on the board. So I can do a check mark. I can do a initial. Whatever you got to do, start that chain and don't break it. And then do that for 90 days. Do that for 100 days, like he said, and start seeing the results. But if you do it for two weeks and then it stop, and then jump back in it for five days and it stop, then jump back in it for three days and say, huh? You're the reason why. You're the reason why, man. You're the reason why. You're the reason why. And it's not only for you to just do that thing, like also read between the data. I think for most mm-hmm. investors and for more, most people, if you're investing in this thing, you have to love the data, man. You have to, you, you just have to. That's the only thing that tells you because now you're working for yourself. There's no boss to tell you, hey, you're doing this mm-hmm. thing wrong. You're working for yourself. So 
You got to be very, like your data is your boss. It tells you literally what you're doing wrong and what you're doing. And once you're able to read exactly. and understand your data, or even if you can't hire somebody that knows how to read data for you, because that's the only thing mm -hmm. that's going to tell you like what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. And once you start understanding and knowing what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right, during those, even if you're being consistent and you're doing it every day, you know where to apply more energy to and where not to apply, waste your energy at. So mm -hmm. don't just do something for a hundred days. And the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and expecting a different return or a diff uh, something, a different result. So you can't expect a different result if you're doing the same terrible stuff and say, oh, I did it for a hundred days and nothing is working out. No, you did it. You just did the same stupid thing every day when you were expecting something magical to happen. It's not going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. But man, this is a great conversation, man. I, I really enjoyed this podcast. I'm, I'm really glad to be back and I'm really glad to have you as one of my first guests back on this podcast. We're going to be dropping it every week. I have the video now, so we're also going to post it on YouTube, find us on Spotify, find us on Apple Podcasts, many other platforms that I don't really care. I think those are free to anybody listens to podcasts. <laughs> so you can find us everywhere. Um, the in-between, follow me on IG, Femi.Daniel underscore. We're about to do big space. About to work with my man, Jeff, serving me some leads. And Jeff, man, where do the people find you? Tell us everything that you got going on. How can they find your courses or find your page, your company, everything? So on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter, but on Instagram and TikTok, it's at official Jeff Lubin. Oh, my YouTube is Jeff Lubin. I'm going to start putting out some, some long form content on YouTube. As, as far as the, the course is going to be, I don't have the official website yet, but I'll release it on my Instagram pretty soon. I currently, I'm almost done with it. And then I have to get it edited by an editor. And then I get the website up and running. So it'll definitely be in my bio and on Twitter, and not on Twitter, but on Instagram and TikTok. But you can find it there. You guys, more reasons to follow my man. Official with Jeff Lubin, right? Yeah. Follow my guy on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, whenever it comes out on there, on YouTube. Wherever he is, just follow him because this is who I'm going to be following for anything in the metaverse. I want to start playing games, making money. It's been a while since I played games, man. <laughs> but man, even more reason to do it. Maybe you can, you can earn me some more money. Let me buy some more real estate. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the in between. I'll catch you guys next time on the next episode. And yeah, you guys keep winning. Appreciate you having me, man. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. I enjoyed this podcast. I'm sure you did too. So. Make sure you always tune in on Friday by 6 p.m. and just catch us same time, same day, every week, 6 p.m. Catch us sharing gems. Today went over mindset, went over NFTs, DeFi, real estate, wholesaling. Like we went over the basics of everything. And as we keep going, there are going to be more guests spinning more gems. I like the way I rhymed there, but also follow us. Our social media tags are going to be in the description. Leave a comment, leave a share this with your friends, share this with your family. Just keep supporting the movement. I'm trying to make sure this podcast gets a thousand downloads this year. So you guys going to help me get there. Hope you guys will definitely want to bring you guys on this journey with me. I'm going to be spitting more gems about my personal investments everything else that I'm doing. And I think like you guys are going to enjoy this. Everything is ramped up. We'll have more shows with friends, family, anybody really. But yeah, I feel like you guys are going to enjoy this podcast. And like I said, thank you again for listening and I'll catch you guys on the next one.